Our special guest today is an old friend zooming in from Kitchener, Ontario. We've got a, a very experienced real estate entrepreneur who started off doing deals in Canada. And once those got kind of expensive and unattractive and not cash flowing very nicely, then he set his sights on properties south of the border. And that's where he's focusing these days. So Oleg Paraslegan, welcome to the show. Great to see you again. Great to see you too, Dave. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right, my friend. We can hear that maybe you are not originally from Kitchener, Ontario. So where is my southern drawl? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to Canada and how you got into real estate. So uh, I was born in uh, Russia, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously when I when I was pretty little still. Uh, we moved to a western Ukrainian city of Chernivtsi. So uh, for 16 years after that, I lived in Ukraine, or what at the time was the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, obviously, it's hard to imagine with uh, current events that you, that used to be one country, essentially. Yeah. But... Um, the, the fact is that that's where I grew up. That's where I was educated. And uh, at the end uh, of it, we, you know, my mother and I decided to immigrate because uh, the signs were clearly on the wall that uh, the country will not last. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was becoming harder and harder to live there. So, uh, and we, we, yeah, we decided to immigrate, uh, which is how I ended up in Canada. What year was that, Oleg? It was nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Wow. Okay, long time. Yeah. Ago. So it was quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. Yes, at the very end of December nineteen eighty nine, we arrived in Ottawa. So and uh, after that, it was really just the uh, probably what's what's to be expected from somebody born and raised in a socialist or communist country and that the, the programming was to go to the university you know get good grades get a good job hopefully and, get a good government job i would imagine good, right? good government job certainly was on the radar yeah. uh it didn't end up being that way but nevertheless uh, uh you know i ended up working in the private sector uh but when i was studying as an economist you know i definitely had in mind to combine it with political uh, career and uh, maybe work in some kind of think tank with the government. Right. Yeah. All right. So that's what, so that's kind of what you did professionally. And when did, when did real estate investing show up on your radar? In um, uh, early 2000s, uh, I came across, as I, I, I keep hearing the story so many times uh, on your podcast as well, that uh, people the purple, read the book. The purple book. The purple book. That's right. <laughs> yes. They, everybody read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cash Flow Quadrant. And uh, for somebody from a completely different world, yeah, like myself, this was a massive eye-opener uh, to think that you don't have to just save your money, right? The money can make you money, that mm -hmm. assets can make you money while you're asleep uh, was, a, was a phenomenal discovery for me. 
so and definitely from that point on i uh, was very interested in in, in putting these principles to work so my wife and I uh, started considering how we are going to do that. And we, uh, at the time, we lived in Burlington, Ontario. We had a little bit of equity in our home. So we took a, a home equity line of credit uh, and went the path that we are familiar with the most, which is education, yeah. right? So an education, at the time, there was something called Marcus Group. Uh, we took some courses uh, with them. And then we also joined something that's probably a legend of the Canadian real estate, which is Don R. Campbell's reign. Mm -hmm. uh, and we uh, definitely learned a lot of new concepts about uh you know, how the market works, uh, real estate cycle, uh, how to use the gold mine scorecard to find, identify proper locations. Uh, and uh, we started with investing in plexus. Uh, so everything from duplex to fourplex. Um, and at the time, the situation was quite different in, in Ontario. Uh, we found that it was difficult because... Mm -hmm. Uh, the quality of tenants was quite rough. The houses themselves were quite rough. Mm -hmm. The areas were quite rough. <laughs> and so uh, after the first few years and the first few properties that we tried and uh, learned a lot, definitely learned a lot. Uh, and then we realized that uh, maybe investing in nice homes and good neighborhoods is something that is a, a better idea because ah. it brings better quality tenants in there, much more stable. Uh, and generally speaking, they keep property in much better regard and mm. so forth, stay a long time. And, and, and that's what we uh, stuck with. So, and that worked. That really was a very so did good you, did you sell those other properties or did you? Yeah, did we you did sell the plexus. Yeah, yes. And then you bought, but nicer. And then we bought nicer homes, yes. And and we have them to date. Nice. We still have a portfolio in Kitchener. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, definitely from those days to today, uh, the appreciation was was massive. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we definitely uh, followed that path. And that's one thing that we um, kind of appreciate about our educational approach, right? Is that once we understand the fundamentals of uh, how the game is played, we stick to it. It may not be the super exciting approach, but it is the approach that delivers predictable results, you know, and that's definitely what happened with uh, with our Canadian investments. So at and, what point did you decide that it no longer made any sense in Canada and you started looking south of the border? I would say that uh, we started uh, we started looking at it uh, ju just a couple of years before the pandemic hit mm. because uh, the prices were on a steep rise and uh, as I always approach things very analytically I, I was running my performance and and looking at how much rent I need to get in order to even break even mm. you know, with a Canadian single family home uh, it was becoming very clear that uh, the mathematics don't work Right. Okay. So uh, and uh, in 19, 
Oh, sorry, in, tw in 2019, we actually uh, started looking more seriously at the U.S. real estate opportunities and applied the same fundamentals approach, uh, which states were, are, are friendly to the landlords, where you actually uh, can deal with the uh, tenants who are not paying rent yeah. a lot faster than you deal with them in Ontario, right? And I think it's not a secret if I say that uh, states of Ohio, Texas, Florida, Georgia, came up. So then it, it we kind of dug deeper. We started looking at where we can find connections. Networking, right? A very important piece of real estate skill is how do you find people on the ground who are trustworthy, uh, who are referred to you by somebody who you trust mm -hmm. and who are going to do a good job for you, right? We are not in there. And of course, uh, obviously, it's, 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 it's particularly important when we we're in a lockdown and we, we couldn't even travel to the US. Very so, uh, so, and that was uh, something that because I, I work for an international bank, uh, I ended up talking to people, you know, in different sites mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. It's, it's an American organization, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and that's how we ended up in Florida. Right. We ended up uh, looking at some properties in Jacksonville. We ended up purchasing in Jacksonville. Um, what kind of properties did you purchase, Oleg? Single family home. Same old, just so Same you found old your niche and niche. you're sticking to it. Absolutely. So absolutely. When, when you say a single family home, kind of describe what a typical property looks like. Uh, three bedroom, two bath idea, that sort of thing. What, yeah, what kind of it's, it's three, so three bedrooms, two baths that's a very typical standard for Ontario. Mm -hmm. Uh, in uh, Florida, in particular, in Jacksonville, there are some variations of that. Uh, we did buy a three bedroom, one bath, mm -hmm. uh, home, uh, which was in a very established area of Jacksonville, which was uh, attracting, uh, decent level customers, uh, clients, right? Like, uh, and these tenants work in, uh, you know, in, in offices or, or right. uh, I have a tenant who is a chef, you know? So uh, that's the kind of uh, tenant. So no, you're not going to get lawyers necessarily, mm -hmm. right? But you're going to have people who earn decent income and, and who can pay decent rent. And uh, rent to price ratio is something that is much more, uh, you know, much, much more uh, so what, possible. Based on your experience yeah. buying multiple properties and managing multiple properties in Canada, specifically in Kitchener, Ontario, mm -hmm. and what you're doing in Jacksonville, Florida, what are the similarities and what are the differences? Uh, the similarities are that we still are looking for good quality tenants. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 take pride in providing them good quality homes. Okay, good. Right? Yeah. So as far as, and, and that's, by the way, uh, that's the fundamental we never deviate from because we always treat our tenants with uh, enormous respect. Well, I heard, you, yeah, I heard you refer to them as clients and customers, not that's even That's right, that's yeah. right. And, and provide them uh, the, uh, the quality that they deserve, mm -hmm. you know, and... With that, uh, you know, we, we, we certainly get this kind of treatment back from them. Now, as far as the differences, of course, there are, there are some differences, particularly 
in financing, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously when you are in the United States, you have to deal mostly with asset-based lenders. So Canadians do not have uh, their ability to show their credit in the United States. So you're not going to be able to show your income there. Your Canadian possessions uh, here don't also don't matter. Yeah. So essentially you are in, in a bit of a different wild west and uh, definitely are looked upon differently. But it's a little bit more akin to how, let's say, when you buy bigger properties in Canada, you know, apartment buildings, uh, and they look at the property rather than at you, you know, so, so that's the sort of thing. What, you what have kind to of loan to value are you, are you getting for financing typically for 65, 65%, 65%, right, so yeah. 35% down, but yeah, compared to similar properties in Canada, they are way, way, way less expensive. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What about the whole cross border thing? Oleg, have you, uh, how, you know, without getting into too much detail, how are you set up so that you're not getting double taxed as a as a Canadian investing in the States? Yeah, it's absolutely very important, Dave, because uh, uh, there is there is a tax aspect and there is the asset protection. Right. right. And so there is uh, something that you absolutely need to speak with the cross border accountant mm -hmm. and uh, a lawyer who um, U.S. lawyers, I would, I would recommend definitely uh, U.S. lawyers who are more than willing to work with Canadians. Mm -hmm. uh, and they put together a, a structure that is befitting of what your specific needs are, right? But the uh, most popular type is, is LP, uh, so limited partnership that uh, protects your needs while giving you, and it's basically, by the way, it's an absolute must when you go to asset-based uh, lenders, they mm -hmm. have to see an entity in place, yeah. right? So whether it's LP or LLC, it's something that, you know, a cross-border accountant and a lawyer will discuss with you, um, but you definitely don't want to, go as Oleg Perslegin into the United States markets where, you know, they are very trigger happy. They are very <laughs> in more uh, ways than litigious. One, yeah. yeah, in more ways than one. It's a litigious <laughs> society. So you definitely have to protect your, yourself uh, with, with the proper structure. Fantastic. Oleg, what, uh, so at this point, you started investing south of the border, you started looking at it in 2019. We're recording this October 2023. How many properties do you have in the states now? Are they all in Florida, all in Jacksonville? No. So we, we have um, a combination. Uh, so one is in Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville, being Florida, experienced a little bit of a boom of its own uh, with uh, COVID. Lots of people were moving into uh, Florida and Jacksonville is not an exclusion. So what ended up happening is prices started shooting up. Uh, so we took a pause on Florida and uh, pivoted into another state that's very landlord friendly, and that's Ohio. Okay. So so we ended up buying another three properties in Ohio. So overall, right now we have four properties in the U.S. Very nice. 
And are you managing, doing property management from afar, or do you find local property managers? We, we find local property managers. Okay. How about so, for your properties in Canada? Do you manage those, or do you have property Yeah, managers? Yeah, I manage those myself. Uh, when we had Plexus, uh, we absolutely could not do that. You know, But when you have good quality homes and good quality tenants, it's not that it's difficult yeah. to you know, to, to manage themselves. But but in the U.S., absolutely, we have a professional property management company. And that's another tip, because when the lender is uh, assessing you, that's one of the questions. Is, is the property professionally managed? Oh, really? Okay, interesting. Yes. And you like to buy nice, pretty houses and nice areas so that you're going to attract nice clients, yes. <laughs> tenants. Yeah. So... Typically, are you are you working with like turnkey housing providers, or are you buying them on the market, or what? What do you do to find the properties, Oli? Um, in the U.S., what yeah. we found uh, more practical is to find a property that requires certain level of upgrades. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, as our property manager said to us uh, in Ohio, the key is. Uh, not how old it is, but who owned it mm-hmm. and how well they maintained it, right? right? So we look at uh, properties that not, don't necessarily require massive renovations, mm-hmm. but they're just worn enough, you know, that with some lipstick, you're going to make it look pretty, make it look more shiny and attractive to the client. And then the client is willing to pay rent that is substantial, very substantial, for the price of the house. Nice. No, that makes a lot of sense. Oleg, my goodness, time flies when we're having fun, my friend. I'm sure there are going to be some folks who are interested in connecting with you. If they want to do that, what's the best thing for them to do? Uh, I... My name is so unique that if you go on Facebook and just search Oleg Pereslegen, there is only one that's going to come up. <laughs> and definitely definitely makes it extremely easy. Oh, well, that is fantastic. Well, hey, it's great reconnecting with you because I think, yeah, last time we were talking, I think you, you had not gone down to the States yet, if I'm not, not mistaken. Not yet, no. So it's it's fun to see how things are progressing. Congratulations on that. And I wish you much continued success, my friend. Uh, thank you very much, Dave. Pleasure well, talking to you. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.